Do you guys have room there? Yeah, no worries. Alright, hey guys. Feel free to keep eating, um, but I would like to introduce Jordan Michelle Taylor. Uh, they, they lead and serve as pastor at Calvary Wallingford, and they're going to be sharing a message for us tonight called Frailty uh, of Love. Yeah. Alright. If we're not talking loud enough, Jordan just, yeah, yeah. you got it. Alright. Oh, I start. Um, okay, so like Matt said, we want to talk about the frailty of love. Uh, and I'll say, proudly, this is our first time doing something together. Uh, so uh, I have pastored for oh, probably close to 15 years now. I know it doesn't look it, but uh, Justin and I have been doing this about the same amount of time. And uh, been through a lot of different seasons together, so it's pretty fun to do this. And uh, but it's more fun. No offense, Justin, uh, to do this with Michelle. Um, so we're really excited. And uh, maybe let's just begin with a word of prayer, shall we? As we get in. Uh, and the music doesn't bother us. Noise doesn't bother us. We have young kids, so you know those of you with young kids know that's just the way we live right now. So uh, don't worry. Just give us a, hey, go talk louder if, if we need to do that. And, and we'll scream because we could do that. <laughs> All right. Lord, we thank you for good food, good friends, sharing uh, in that good food and good drinks together. And uh, Lord, as we build relationships, as we encourage one another, as we uh, hopefully, Lord, just embark on loving you more deeply, uh, both individually as we sit, and also with our spouse, Lord. And it's such an opportunity for us to deepen our love for you and uh, so many other great benefits to marriage. But Lord, it also poses some great difficulties. And we don't want to be blind to those things. So as Michelle and I share, Lord, we pray that you give us honesty and freedom and uh, that your words uh, would be spoken by us, uh, Lord, in you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so I just wanted to start off with a reflection, if you will, and just sort of state that we know that Jesus is Lord, or maybe we don't know that, but I want to state that as a reflection at the beginning, that Jesus is Lord, and we want to reflect on that throughout this, and I want to say that because, you know, Jesus, as he died, and when his death became resurrection, Philippians 2 says that as he's raised up, he is Lord. Every knee will bow. And it's this death becoming resurrection that sort of cements him as Lord. Right? And so, uh, as Lord, Jesus both cares for us and has sacrificed for us. As Lord, Jesus both empowers us in sacrifice and toward care. And even something we want to talk about tonight uh, is self-care, right? And so these are these two terms that you're going to hear a lot, which is sacrifice and self-care. And, you know, Love's Frailty, this title that we've given to our message here, uh, it recognizes that the spouse is, you know, we are capable of great sacrifice on each other's behalf, right? But... On the other side of things, we're incapable of being everything 
each other needs. Right? Love's frailty recognizes and even sometimes renounces our need for self-care, and at other times it demands, like, I gotta take care of myself. Right? So love in marriage is really a great source of wealth on the one hand, and also a great source of need. You know, the image is, in my mind, it's, it's kind of like a canteen, you know, like one of those really nice canteens you, you, you try not to lose. Like, it can either be satisfying to you, and it, at times it is, and at other times it itself needs to be filled up. So, our goal tonight is to explore the line between sacrifice and self-care. So there's physical self-care, food, exercise, sleep. Um, there's also emotional self-care, which is an act of wrapping yourself, this is a definition we liked, an act of wrapping yourself in a blanket of comfort and shielding yourself from situations and individuals that increase your distress. It also means that sometimes you will need to repel individuals and possibly circumvent situations that are likely to derail you from your um, emotional peace. And then also another aspect is um, spiritual self-care, which could be defined as an activity that we engage in um, in order to find and nurture a sense of connection to God and meaning for our lives. So in prayer, in worship, in meditation, in spiritual practices. And as we were talking about this, sort of to define it as like in a Christ-like way, self-care is any necessary step to mitigate the effects of sin by embracing human limitation and paying attention to one's spiritual, emotional, intellectual, intellectual, and physical needs. So to sum that up, it's spirit-filled self-limitation. And then with sacrifice, um, kind of a shorter definition would be that we came up with this sacrifice is going above and beyond at your own expense in order to benefit someone else. Someone else. And to sort of put that again in like a Christ-focused way, it's spirit-filled selflessness. And so, okay, just a, a little bit of like personal background. So Jordan and I will have been married for, um, for we've been married nine years, we'll be 10 years this coming October. Uh, we have, I know, we're pretty yes, excited. Yeah. <laughs> Decade. And um, it's kind of funny because uh, I was sharing that this is actually the longest I've ever lived in one place my entire life and been a part of like one community in my entire life is being married to Jordan. So it's a very, I'm used to lots of change and moving around. So it's been a very, a really interesting process. Personally, we have three little girls and pretty much uh, when I was thinking about like what's going on in our lives aside from being a part of like our church community is Jordan's been is will be graduating with his master's in June so literally that's been our life for like the last four years is yeah. school and um, just uh, on a side note thank you for having us it's um, like it's, it's fun to be able to do this um, still out of my comfort zone um, <laughs> but it's it, it's it's really great and it's wonderful for us to be able to talk about these things together um, and we're sort of approaching this from it's not like we've been through a lot you know we'll, we'll only have been married 10 years it's, it's 10 years is 10 years but it's still we're young in our marriage hopefully and um, we're approaching it not from what we've necessarily learned but more what we're currently working through and absolutely being challenged in this is it. We're in the thick of a lot of these things. Um, so some personal examples um, when we are thinking about self-care. For me, just again, a little bit of background. My dad is a pastor my entire life. I grew up in the church. 
So this term self-care, when I, when I hear that, when I think about that, it, I always associated it with sort of, um, not, I wouldn't say sin, but there was a guilt that was attached to it, that, that self-care was an unhealthy thing. And um, the emphasis was always on self-sacrifice, especially growing up like in Calvary's, where it was very much like we moved from a big church and it was kind of a, like you just go do your thing. You take care of everything. You take care of everyone. And so in ministry and in all shapes of my life, thinking about self-care, I still feel guilty sometimes when I, when I think about that idea. And, and um, there's um, a tendency in my life, there was a tendency to sort of justify why I had to say no to certain things. I had to have an excuse. I couldn't just say, I'm tired or I need a break or... Um, it, it was always sort of, I have to have a reason for taking care of myself. I have to have a reason to do these things. Um, even to the point of, uh, which thankfully Jordan likes to call me out on my issues, but to the point of sort of exaggerating things to people in order to not feel bad, like, oh, I, I shouldn't be saying no to this. And um, that's something that we still you know, are kind of trying to work through, but something that the Lord has really challenged me in, especially in the last couple of years while Jordan has been in this process of going to school and um, having three young girls and um, with a lot of like postpartum and different things that I've been going through as a human being and recognizing my limits and then recognizing that, that like he said, that where, where is that line and, and who, who defines that line because there are times it, it's constantly changing for me. And um, so, like, personally, something, some different things that I've, uh, in the last couple of years, like, having alone time, I, I love to be around people, but after having children, I realized I'm an introvert, and I absolutely do not get re-energized by being around people, by having people attached to me all day long. And if I don't get some alone space where I'm like, there's no one touching me, no one asking something of me, and, and that was hard because I felt guilty about that. For a while, especially being like in ministry and constantly being surrounded by people, and um, uh, recently we both uh, were able to take trips um, individually by ourselves. So I went one week to this uh, leadership conference, and the next week Jordan went to New York, New York for this other kind of similar type thing. And we came back, and we're like, this this month was amazing. Like our marriage was, we're doing really great, and just recognizing that. It's okay to ha- to take this for us to take time to travel and to um, do different things. I, I work part time, and that's been I love events, and I, I like the whole pro- like creative process of planning and being a part of things, eating good food, and so kind of working through those things as a couple individually. Um, again, under the guide of the Lord and of the Spirit and Him leading us and. Uh, it was really funny. I don't know if any of you guys are into like the Enneagram or taking the, if you've taken the Enneagram test. But when Jordan and I did it, um, J- where Jordan falls and when he's at his worst, it said that where I fall, he who he is brings about stress and anxiety to my life. And so, like, kind of learning how to work through those things together and like how how do I um, what does it look like? what does self-care look like in my life in a way and how, how do I ask that in that balance of sacrifice and so that's again another question for you to think about just to pose to you what does self-care look like for you right now in your life do you think you have a, a healthy understanding of it do you have an unhealthy understanding of it does it bring about guilt do you feel like 
there's you have good direction. Um, and then in regards to sacrifice, like so, like I mentioned, Jordan is getting his master's, and so that's been a huge sacrifice for our family. It's required me going back to work part-time, um, the, the time um, he's working 40 hours a week and is pretty much required to be in school 40 hours a week. And um, our friendships have been put on hold, but it's something that it was a, a worthwhile sacrifice and something we committed to. Um, and, you know, thinking about that the last, like, four years, it's it's something that definitely the Lord has. Um, we, we knew it was something we wanted to do. And uh, it's, it's been an incredible process and the sacrifice. I'm sure each of you in your marriages, you can talk about different things where there, there's been a sacrifice, but it's a blessing when it's for your spouse because you love them. And, um, well, I guess you can go into one self-grand sacrifice conflict. Yeah, I mean, one of our goals is that you guys would talk about, you know, what does self-care look like for you in your marriage? What does sacrifice look like for you in your marriage? And as I sort of get into some of the theological concerns uh, of this, you know, what I hope would be to present some relief, you know, maybe a bit like aspirin (laughs) in the face of a great difficulty. Because self-care and sacrifice are supposed to work in harmony. Those things are supposed to work in harmony. See, when God created the world, uh, the frailty of love was not due to a frailty of sin, right? Self-care, which we've defined as embracing human limitation, self-care and sacrifice, which we've defined as loving above and beyond, those two things were meant to exist together in harmony. So take the example of the Sabbath, if you understand what that is. The Sabbath was prescribed in Genesis, right? It's the first law given in the entire Bible. Of course, the Sabbath relates to God, right? Uh, But it is both an act of self-care in that it gives a human a day off. It's an embrace of human limitation. And also it's an act of worship, right? So it's an act of sacrifice unto God, right? Now, think also of this. Jesus says, uh, you know, really as the other side of the single greatest commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, let's just be frank. Admit it. Your neighbor, your closest neighbor, is your spouse. (laughs) We might not ever think of them that way, uh, but that's true, right? Like, you roll over, they're there. (laughs) And... That's something that you come to grips with. And in a perfect world, you do love your neighbor or your spouse as much as you love yourself. That's in a perfect world. And any increase of one drives an increase of the other. Right? These two things work in harmony together, going up together. Right? So... That really was a great relief to us to understand, or to actually not to understand, because we still don't really understand this, uh, but to realize, let's say, uh, that self-care and sacrifice actually can work together in harmony. And we're still learning. We're not, you know, as pastors will get up and say, but we'll really say and affirm, pastors are not perfect. You know, we struggle with this. So... What about when self-care and sacrifice conflict? Because that's a reality, right? 
And where sin reigns, self-care and sacrifice will conflict. That's the way it goes, right? What about in your marriage? And these are some hypothetical situations. One of them is not. I'll let you guess which one that is. No, I'll tell you what it is. But, uh, you know, what about in marriage when the, you know, need or demand for sleep due to a sleepless one-year-old is overwhelming? Guys, I'm specifically talking to you. Like, you can't give up any more sleep. Like, the sacrifice and the self-care are in conflict. You know, or what about in marriage where the decision to pursue a new job requires more sacrifice than you want to give? What about when sacrifice is to your detriment? What about in marriage where your spouse asks you to understand and you can't? And you don't. And despite your effort, you won't. Because you don't want to. That's the one, hint, hint. That's the one that that I struggle with, right? Um, In other words, you know, this is an ongoing issue. I want to give you guys some stats, right? Uh, 75% of broken marriages um, say this, that they, the spouse speaking, did enough work in the marriage, but they, the other spouse, didn't do enough work, right? So there's this conflict, and what I realize there is the tension between self-care and sacrifice is too much, right? So this is the difficulty. Sin interrupts the harmony between self-care and sacrifice, right? Uh, We know, as, as we study God's Word, that Sin creates a dissonance between God and us, but it also creates a dissonance between us and our neighbor. And who's our neighbor? Your spouse, right? The one that you're putting your arm around right now, that you, that, that you love. Sin distorts self-care into selfishness and inflates sacrifice to be an unclimbable mountain. And we've seen these things play out. And so, you know, as sacrifice has sort of presented itself to me as an unclimbable mountain, I've had to ask or answer the question of, does faith enable um, a person to move mountains? And that's what the scriptures say. That faith can move mountains, right? The sort of insurmountable odds, right? And I know that's cliche, right? That's kind of what part of our job as pastors is to be a little cliche. Uh, but what I want to say is that God rescues through sacrifice. And, and let me, I know I'm getting like real deep into this and we just had food and maybe we're, we're feeling like another drink. But let me just get right into some of the thick of this and say this. Sin's great lie is that sacrifice will be a person's end. This is one of sin's great lies, is that sacrifice will be a person's end. But Jesus' great work is that sacrifice, even if it does end a person, it results in life. That's Jesus' great work. That's what we see in Jesus' death and resurrection. Right? The end of Jesus was the life of all humanity. And this was the second relief, and really it's the greatest relief that I've experienced and that we've experienced in marriage, is experiencing Jesus' death and resurrection 
for my marriage. Maybe I could go into some details uh, just real briefly. You see, at the point where self-care and sacrifice conflict, Jesus' sacrifice both examples and empowers me to go through death and into resurrection. Several, well, it's probably a year or two ago now, you know, we were having a conversation and Michelle looked at me and I looked at her and she said, you know, you need to understand me. And I looked to her as just not, you know, no hidden agenda in my heart or so I thought I didn't understand her. I didn't know what she was talking about. Really, I, I couldn't. And on some level, I wouldn't. And in that moment, I, it freaked me out. Right? Like, whoa, what's going on? Right? And then Jesus, as coincidentally I was studying Philippians chapter 2, uh, Jesus spoke to me and basically said, I am able. Follow me. Die on you know behalf of your spouse, sacrifice, and in that you will be raised up. So I will say that the result is right now, uh, self-care and sacrifice, they work together in quasi-harmony for us. Right? It's kind of like the difference between a junior high flute player and an elementary flute player, right? Like one is like, wow, that's bad, and the other is like I kind of hear the notes, you know, like there's a little bit of harmony there. That's kind of how these things work for us right now. And really, they're manifested, in my opinion, through patience. You know, patience in marriage is a series of many resurrections. And, you know, we've asked you guys at the beginning, you know, where is the line between self-care and sacrifice in your marriage? And the fact is that you know, according to the different seasons of your life, it's going to change. Those things will be in flex. You know, when we were, you know, younger and uh, did not have kids, it was different than where it is right now. And I'm sure it will be different as things get, you know, as we get older and different things change. And so the final relief, which really is, I think, something we want to capture is it's a joy. Uh, The final relief is that the Lord supplies everything necessary. I know this is cliche and we know this, but really the Lord supplies everything necessary for our marriage. At every crossroads, I and we look to Jesus who raises me up, even as I lay down my life. And I don't have to fear my end, that I'm losing my rights, that I'm not being heard, that, you know, whatever, you know, sort of way I want to spin it, it's my end, right? But even in that, I'm raised up. Remember, Jesus is Lord because death becomes resurrection in Him. I think, like I said at the beginning, like, so I feel like we're kind of at the beginning of our marriage, and it's easy to sort of look at... um, and have this idea, I guess, based on, especially of myself, like growing up in a Christian home. And so I have this idea of what a Christian marriage is. And 
then there's a tendency to sort of, uh, especially even being here, like tonight, to sort of look at different people and the way they do things and to hear about uh, different, like, structures and marriages and uh, feeling like, uh, I know, like, at one point at the beginning of our marriage where I'm like, okay, I guess, does this mean that we don't have a healthy marriage when... I asked Jordan, I was like, we should really, like, I think we've been married, like, two months. I'm like, we should do a devotional together. Like, let's get a devotional. And and, uh, he's like, yeah, that's a great idea. And he came home with, like, a 1,500-page systematic theology book and tried to start reading it to me in bed. And I was like, um, no, okay. And, and that, and, and then the things that I produced, he was like, this is rubbish. This is garbage. I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to do this with you. And, um... And just, but then kind of having to, and like, that's, okay, there's probably bigger things, like, in your marriage that you can think through that um, it's easy to, you know, to sort of feel, uh, to compare or to um, even get lazy in how we are um, under, like Jordan talked about, understanding each other, and yet... um, you know, the, while he's been in school, like, I can share, okay, so that was at the beginning, I'm like, all right, we're not going to do devotions together, we'll have other things that, you know, we figure out that we like to do together to connect spiritually, and to, and, um, you know, while he was in school, like, last, it was probably a year ago, I was just g- going through a lot of stuff, personally, he, we had gone through a lot of stuff individually, as well, Jordan had lost a really good friend of his, and there was just a lot of extenuating circumstances in our lives where I felt insanely disconnected from him. And um, to the point where I'm like, I, I don't even know, I have no idea what to do in order to feel connected. And um, at one point, like him being in school felt like you have this whole world and I want to support you and I, I want to sacrifice you in, sacrifice to support you in this Um you know, passion that you have, but I feel so disconnected from it. And um, uh, a good friend had recommended, like, hey, why don't you ask him what books are impacting him and have, have influenced him? And so last year I started every uh, every semester, he would recommend, or he'd say, hey, this book really influenced me this year, and I'd read it, and then we'd talk about it. And just doing different things, trying to be creative in a way where um, you're working towards... Uh, that connection and, and where the sacrifices then, um, uh, you know, I was, I was thinking about that. So each marriage we talked about is different and um, each, each marriage is different and cannot be submitted to Christ through another person's marriage. And that is such a difficult thing to uh, remember and to practice and to act out on, but that, you know, you have to guard yourself from comparison, from hesitancy, from laziness and only the two of you, each of you, whether you're married or engaged to be married, um, only the two of you can submit your marriage to the Lordship of Christ. And in Ephesians 5, 21, verse 21 shows that the power of marriage um, is an unselfishness created by the Spirit. So like we talked about at the beginning when I was talking about the two definitions, the cause of a good marriage is Spirit-filled. Uh, it's Spirit-filled self-limitation where you recognize your limits, you're able to communicate those things in a way. It's, it's Spirit-filled, so that that line is going to be um, directed by the Lord and not, you know, just by our own desires, which can tend to be flawed, but it's also spirit-filled selflessness and and that willingness to submit to the Lord. And um, that's only possible when we believe in Jesus. It's only possible through thinking through him and being changed by him. And um, Timothy Keller, this, uh, this quote has been really impactful for my marriage 
uh, said that marriage is not a human invention to make you happy. Marriage was invented by God to sanctify you, to make you holy and blameless. And I love that marriage is, uh, we can think about this, even no, no matter how long we've been married, whether, um, that marriage is a fresh start. And it's marriage is a, a vehicle to redemption. And that we can, you know, when the Bible talks about leaving our father and mother and cleaving to our spouse, that you, we all now get to decide what we want and how we're going to define what works for the two of us in marriage. And that's a really beautiful and freeing thing. And that's something that I know it's brought a lot of freedom in my life. Um, for me, it was an unhealthy um, tendency towards sacrifice because I didn't have a healthy idea of what self-care was and what that looked like. Like... Um, by the Lord and uh, you know we're all at a different place but I think that's something that I have we've been really encouraged with and so that I wanted to uh, leave you with yeah our goals are in the takeaways was first to just open up a dialogue you know we understand in conservative Christianity uh, you know this kind of talk is foreign 100% and we just want to be the people to say hey let's talk and also to sort of say, like, let's get creative. Mm-hmm. Like, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. Why is it so boring? You know? And allowing the Lord to direct these things to be particular. You know? And I think finally, uh, you know, the takeaway for us in this, in our own personal takeaway, is, you know, pastors have kind of bizarre relationships with people. And I'll just be honest. Uh, like, we're kind of weird people. And no offense to, to Justin, you just walked in at that part, but uh, I mean, it's just, it, we are just kind of strange. We're odd in, in a number of ways and we stand out. And yet, Henry Nouwen says something that's really interesting about that. He says, uh, the mystery of ministry is that we have been chosen to make our own limited and very conditional love, right? Our own limited and very conditional love, the gateway for the unlimited and unconditional love of God. Now, as a single man, you know, he's speaking from a, of a different place, but we are interpreting this as a married couple. And what we see is that the frailty of human love can actually point a person to the durability of Christ's love. And that's a miracle, right? And this way... Our marriage, and I guess, you know, our goal is to sort of say, like, hey, the conversation isn't just between you two, right? I, you know, a lot of what we've talked about today is, like, you're going to go home, you're going to say something like, what did you think? And you're like, I don't know, what did you think? And then you'll talk about these things, and maybe that'll end, you know, the, the conversation. But the point that we're trying to say is, really, this point's beyond. Because the frailty of human love through the ministry of the Holy Spirit and applying what Christ has done can actually point to the durability of God's eternal love. I mean, it's incredible. And in that way, we really see marriage as a beautiful example. And that's what we are trying to cultivate. Like I said, like uh, we've been trying to be as honest as, you know, as, as comfortable and uh, you know, just say like we're 10 years in. And we don't know barely anything, you know. And what, but what we do realize now is that it's okay to embrace our limitations. We're human. We have needs. But at the same time, 
sometimes sacrifice, going above and beyond is required. And so we hope that this has been an encouragement to you guys. Um, we really, uh, we're going to sort of allow for a time of Q&A, but I think we're out of time now. 10.34, or 8.34, 8.34. Okay, if you guys have any questions, really, this is the place where we're like, you know, gloves off, whatever. We'll answer any question that anybody asks. Right? Yeah. The book that I've really enjoyed was from that quote. Uh, it's called In the Name of Jesus. It's phenomenal. And it, that's where that, that quote came from. And he read that last fall. Um, uh, so In the Name of Jesus. And then also uh, last year I read a book called You Are What You Love, but I can't remember that. What was the author's name? James K. Smith. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yep, those were, are my two favorites from the last year. Yeah. yeah. We just bought... In the name of Jesus for everybody in our church. Yeah, that's such a good right. book on Christian leadership. Yeah. And as yeah. a single Catholic gay man, you know, it's pretty incredible. So, Anna? Um, so something that, well, let me think. I think, uh, just, I guess just being away from, like, when he comes home, going out on a walk and not feeling guilty that I'm not participating in the bedtime routine because I just needed to, some silence. Or it's, for me, it's, it's sort of the, like, being alone, uh, which actually working part-time to pay for school requires a really long commute and and I actually really come to enjoy sitting in the ferry line in like silence and just sitting there and I'm like so that's been for me that's been a sleep, um yes yeah, sleep I was gonna say number one probably sleep. is sleep I treasure that with every cent in my bank account uh and um I think beyond that like I That's a good question. I think right now I'm in such a hyperactive sacrifice mode for school. It's a little bit hard for me to think. Uh, but I'll say this. Things that I do alone. The good way to know if you don't know what you're doing for self-care is things you do alone. Yeah. And that's generally a good like measurement rule. Uh, so I go to movies by myself. Uh, I have this thing, which if you're a movie fan, MoviePass has been awesome. You can see one movie a day, uh, every day. And I do, and I go alone, and it's great, right? And this is the thing is like, you know, I've taken some film and theology courses, and it's really helpful for me to process intellectually and uh, be able to stimulate myself in that way. So that's one area for me. Jason, do you have a question? Yeah, dude, serious? I'm always looking for fellow movie pass buddies. So maybe I would look at it more like an artist. 
You know, like, you don't work in a sterile laboratory of a scientist. You need to be a messy artist. So risk, and you'll fail. That's really the only way to figure it out. You're going to be selfish in your marriage. That's going to happen. Sorry if that maybe wasn't an expectation, but, like, <laughs> like that is, like, one of the... I'm always a little bit... Tell me if I'm being too direct. Am I being too direct? Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I would just say, like, we... It's ten years of trial and error, you know, of... I mean, part of it is learning each other's language. Uh, we, I thought that she would say something, and I'd be like, okay, yeah, I get her, and then I would repeat it back to her, and she's like, I didn't say that. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, it was very confusing, so, you know, learning what each other means. You would think that we would figure that out quickly. That took us, like, three or four years. Um, finding uh, a healthy connection of intimacy, I think that's a big... That took us a long time. <laughs> and the great thing is, is, you know upward mobility from there and it's very good um, but it's a lot of trial and error a lot of tears uh, a lot of difficulty and being patient with each other allowing Jesus to supply what you need um, that's been huge um, one thing I think that Michelle is example for me that I don't know if you want to say anything after this but uh, is like getting out in front of things instead of letting things fester um, don't just let things fester. Try to get out in front of it. Uh, so even doing things that are maybe not normal and, you know, really at that point you probably might need like pastoral counsel or stuff like that. Just trying to get creative. Um, those are things that have helped us. I was going to say on that, uh, I don't know, it was like four or five months ago, um, there's some stuff, some... Uh, couple that we walked, did pre-marriage with that they're getting divorced and it's been really uh, difficult for me because I feel responsible all these things so we were having this conversation and I was kind of feeling a little bit just jaded and I was like Mar I'm like marriage is just a gamble you have no idea what's gonna happen in life that could you, you know like when Jordan's friend passed away I remember there was a couple days where he didn't get out of bed he was so sad and I remember kind of freaking out like what if he stays like this? Like, what if this continues on? Like, where? And and I so I was kind of going off on this whole rant to Jordan about it's just a gamble. You just don't know, and you, you don't know. And Jordan's like, it's not a gamble. It's like it's a choice. It's a daily choice. And and like what we talked about, like choosing to we believe in Jesus or think like we're like it, uh, what was that cycle that you talked about where it's um, you know you go through uh, the power of the resurrection of Him and then and then you're you're living that out and it's like this constant. But, but basically, it's a, it's a daily choice of surrender um, and being changed. And I think that when, when because it's easy to sort of look at it from a very jaded point of view of, um, or to, of that person. Like, you, like, in my mind, what if he chooses to stay in this mindset and, and gives in to this sort of, and, it, and not that, that it was selfishness, because he was, he was depressed and he was mourning this loss. And, he, and and yet having like grace and patience and then entrusting him to the Lord and entrusting that the Lord would um, show him and give him sort of like the strength and the confidence of, okay, now it's time to move into this next phase of any situation, I guess. And the process is called the Praxis Theory Thank Praxis yeah. Model. <laughs> and if you want to know about that, I will talk about it for hours. Uh, anyways. <laughs> you want to respond to that? So, I would say first, um, yeah, I mean, we chose last spring to go to school full-time and be working full-time. 
and I've done that for a year, and it's about 80 plus hours right now, and that's a season of sacrifice, and that's very tough, and I'm very tired, and so, you know, come June 2nd, I'm going to be a different person, like, you're not going to recognize me, right? I'm going to be skin. no, I don't know what I'm going to look like, but, uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, there are seasons, and I think you need to know that. Uh, especially with uh, maybe changing things that you're unaware of, uh, like stats that I didn't know uh, that people at the Seattle School of Psychology and uh, Theology told me that a huge percentage of master's degree students get divorced. We didn't know that starting in, into graduate school. Uh, you know, they're in that field where they're looking at that information, but that really raised our awareness of like, okay, we should probably talk about sacrifice here. So we've had a lot of conversations. Um, it would have been nice if we knew that about children. <laughs> we didn't know that about kids. <laughs> and then we kind of learn in the reverse. Um, but some things, you know, you can always have that conversation. So I would say yes, absolutely there are seasons uh, for that. Um, I'll also say that uh, school is an immense uh, self-care thing for me, even though it also is a sacrifice. Like, I thrive in that environment, and my intention is is to provide an environment where Michelle thrives when I'm done. So it's not just like, oh, Jordan got to spend you know so much money on in school, and what do I get out of it? You know, it's I'm thinking about her. So in that sense, my self care. This is where I mean they work in harmony. My self care is feeding me to the place where I'm like, how can I spoil her when I'm done? Like, what do you what are your trips? We've been already talking about this. Where, where are you going? Like, I want to know. Because I, I want you to do this, and I want you to have that in the future. And so it's really that cycle. Now, as far as the time goes, I don't know. I, I would say that, you know, my model is sort of uses relationships. So uh, if you're starting to question if it's getting too long, uh, trusted confidants, running it by them. Um, and hopefully... You, you know, these are things also that we're working on. This is also part of self-care, having trusted confidants that are not your family, not complaining to your mother in the, about your husband, not complaining to your mom about your wife. Like, you understand, like, those aren't confidants, right? That's not the way that that works. Those damage in the future, right? Anyways, well, that's what we talk about in pre-marriage, right? Did I get that right? Okay, anyways. Uh, but uh, maybe going out from there, so, hey, confidant, what do you think of this? Maybe you should try talking to them in this way. Okay, that didn't work. Maybe go out to the next layer. I'm going to talk to a mentor, a friend, a uh, pastor, you know, kind of working your way out. And I'd say in those relationships as they get further out, if it gets to a place where it's starting to get red flag, that's going to be on the outer ring, and you're going to know that by that point uh, so I'm really believe in relationships for that kind of stuff so I can't prescribe an exact time that was a long answer wasn't it it's okay you're a long winded person I am a long winded person that's true okay okay we're used to it yeah I think you're used to it <laughs> well I think thank you yeah thank you guys. thanks